0: I'm going to call up a couple of folks that y'all probably know. Let's see. Hang on. Okay. Now, come on up. This is Bill and Melanie Reeves. For those who don't know them, they have served here previously on our clergy staff, and I'm going to give them the floor, the stage, whatever this is, for not that long. Not that long. Five. How about that? <laughs> but... um This month in September, we're going to be hearing about all the ways that our church is active in mission. And today we get to hear from River Life. This is a ministry that they envisioned and have answered the call of god on their life to do and they're making a difference in cowita county and in the lives of every person who crosses their path i know because they've changed mine um so um i'm grateful to them for all that they do so y'all give them your attention for just a few minutes and then we'll have our message thank you maria thank you all so much for having us is this on no okay there we go um Thank y'all. It's always good to be with family. I want to start with reading a scripture from Mark you're very familiar with. Um, Chapter 12, verse 30, in response to a question Jesus answers about the commandments. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these.
1: Several things I want to share with you that I've learned. I still don't like snakes. Isn't it fun working on projects and you're up in tall grass and you just kind of step over and you see something move and you just stop? Or you run. It's fight or flee. I prefer flee. Um, I also know that when you're on a ladder and you're about eight foot up like yesterday and a wasp stings you right here, uh, it's not necessarily a good idea to jump off the ladder. Um, I did learn that, although the yellow jackets were worse, but wasps are still bad. Um, but, but more importantly, I've learned a number, and that number I want to share with you is 17,000. 17,000 people in Coweta County are living in poverty. I don't know if you knew that or not. That means that their salary might be anywhere around 12000 or under. And what's interesting when that happens, and I did not see this very clearly until the last few years, what happens when you're not living on, with a lot of money in your pocket? Your money goes to priorities. I have to have food. I have to have something to wear. Probably not going to be new. If I'm really, 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 let's just say lucky, I'll have a car... May not have car insurance, may not have electricity, may not have running water. And I'm probably not going to be going to the doctor unless it's an emergency room visit. But what do you do if you have a leak in your roof? And it's a $400 fix to have someone come out and fix it. Well, I have to eat. I have to have clothes. And I'm going to strive for electricity. The water leak will just have to wait. You know what water does in walls? destroys, creates mold, so on and so forth. But what happens if you have a major medical issue in your life? What if you have a stroke? And that affects people of all ages. What if I can't get out of my house because it's three steps down? Who are you (laughs) going to call? Thank you. I just, it led up to that. We have ministries Hallelujah in town that can help with clothes, can help with food, can help with electricity, can help with some rent. But who's going to do the outside home repair? The porches, the steps, the wheelchair ramps, cleaning up yards because guess what? If your lawnmower breaks, you're probably not going to go out and buy another one. I'm not trying to be dramatic here. I'm trying to tell you exactly what we see. And when circumstances diminish in people's lives, when their health diminishes, if you will, you know what happens? It's like somebody reaches down into the the gut of their soul and rips out hope and rips out joy. Have you ever met somebody and looked into their eyes? i got 30 seconds left. I know you're timing me. I'm just kidding. And look into their eyes and their eyes look empty. You ever seen that before? It's like, where'd the joy go? Oftentimes, that's what we see. Not just economic poverty, but spiritual poverty as well. Second number I want to share with you, 113. That's the number of families of the last three years that we've been able to bring physical needs to, meeting of physical needs, but also we've been able to bring a hope that's going to last longer than any piece of wood I nail to their deck. It's going to be there for all eternity. I get to bring something. And many of you have already joined us, and many of you do this on your own. You get to bring something that is intangible to their life that's going to last for an eternity. You see, you get to meet that spiritual need when you meet that physical need because you get to do something that not everybody does in this world. Speak life into somebody else. And we just happen to do that and help you do that through missions. You know how all this is possible? You support us, and we just want to say thank you. It's not enough of a word to encompass what we want to say, but thank you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much, God, that you have given us this opportunity to get out of bed, get in that car, and drive here. Or maybe we walk. But, God, your goodness to us in our life is never-ending. Father, you have blessed us so much. You have brought us through so many difficult times. And like the psalmist, God, we just say thank you for all that you've done, for all that you're going to do. And, Lord, I thank you for empowering us, Lord, to share that same experience with other people as your Holy Spirit leads us and empowers us to do so. Father, I speak a word of blessing over this church. I ask, Lord, that you would take every soul in this place and bring such healing, bring such revelation of who you are, intimacy with you to their hearts, Lord, (laughs) that they can't help but make you known. I thank you for what you've done, and I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You're welcome. Thank y'all. You did good. (laughs) good. I had the pleasure of um, working on a River Life project this summer in uh, Kids Mission Camp. And it was amazing to see how the faces of the recipients absolutely lit up when they saw these kids coming who had the light of Christ in them and they showed up and they're like, where do we go what can we do and by the time we left the kids were going oh my gosh Miss Barbara was so awesome I've never met anybody like her and Miss Barbara had had the chance to put the light of Christ in them it is fabulous to see how God works so thank you for your ministry y'all let's thank them for all they do This is, this is one of my favorite ministries ever. Um, I love it because it reaches out to people and it does bring hope. That, that's such a, a good way of putting it that, that people find their souls just ripped. And, and to bring hope and healing to them is a mighty thing. We don't like change. We don't like difficulties. And we often find ourselves um, frustrated when, um, when something doesn't go the way we want it to, like this morning when I went to turn the computer on in the office and it wouldn't turn on, and I'm like, okay, I know this is in there, right? And I thought, well, the power strip light's on. And so I flicked it on and off, and it still wouldn't turn on, and I thought, well, it worked on Thursday. So I kept trying, and then I realized it wasn't plugged in. When it doesn't have power, you can have all the equipment you want, but it's not going to do anything. When we have that light of Christ in our life, we can do mighty things. When we have God as our foundation, we can do mighty things. HGTV is one of my most favorite, like, bad habits. And I can just have a marathon all day long sitting in front of it, looking at what they do to go into a property and fix it. And inevitably, they go in and, and they run into this thing called a load-bearing wall. Now, Robert, you do construction, right? Right? Or you work with it? So what happens if I take out a load-bearing wall? It all comes crashing down. That's right. We got to have the load-bearing wall. We find out in life there are times when we have to have that load-bearing wall and we figure out what it is. What's our load-bearing wall? Hopefully our load-bearing wall is God. Hopefully our foundation is God. Hopefully our hope is in God. There are a lot of things we can change, and there are a lot of things we can't. Things that don't change are things like Hebrew thirteen eight tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and evermore. When I can't sleep, I go to Psalm 4, 8. I will lie down in peace because you alone, Lord... My rock and my refuge, you make me lie down in safety. I love that. I can lie down and sleep because God is my rock. There are a lot of things we don't have control over, though. Life is going to change. The world's going to move on with us or without us. And we find out all kinds of things about ourselves when that happens. We find out what we rely on, we find out what we overlook, and we find out what our priorities are. So let's let's just take a minute and think about change. Some of y'all won't get this because you know the computer age and you don't know a non-computer age, but the rest of us will. Um, when I was in school, there was an argument about whether or not we should be allowed to have calculators because we should know how to do long division by hand. Now, I do not like math, and I love my calculator. But there was a big debate over it, and I had to learn long division. Now, we can probably just say, and please don't answer me, Hey, Siri, what's the answer to this? She talks to me. Yeah, she's talking to me. Um, there's voice recognition software now. We can tell the computer what to type for us. I had to take typing class on a keyboard, and I, you know, we did the little rabbit in the letters, and then you learned how to do the letter, and then you learned how to do a paper, and you had your return button, and eventually you had one you could push, and it would do it. Things evolve. There are things that, that we argue with our parents about as kids, about the things we can and can't do, and we'll often hear, in my day, or back in the day, I walked six miles to school in the snow. I'm not that old, but... Historically, the way we get around has changed. It used to be that things having to do with horses, and, and is Lindy here? Not, she's helping with jam. Lindy knows how to work with horses. I don't, but at one point in the schools, there was a course on how to work with horses, how to care for them, how to train them, how to shoe them, how to do all these things, because that was the way you got around. If you brought someone from that age to our age today with cars where you started with a thumb print. And you crank it up and you go, or I understand there's now a vehicle that is, has autopilot as an option. Um, I think if I lived in Atlanta, I would want that. Um, but so much has changed. Kids used to have to whittle. Do y'all even know what that is? They used to have to whittle a stick Or take a feather and whittle the end of it and dip it in ink to write out things. And then we went from parchment to paper and from paper to the computer. And the computers would have filled the stage when they first came out. And now we have this and smaller. Customs have changed. If my grandparents were... To walk into my high school when I was in high school in the 80s, I'll own that. Um, they might have looked at us and said, Excuse me, but you need to have on a cardigan with that short sleeve shirt. You don't need to have open toed shoes. You need to have closed toed shoes, and you probably should be wearing a dress and not pants, young lady. But times change and evolve, and it's hot, y'all. <laughs> and I love my open toe shoes and and customs change 200 years from now what are the, what is this world going to look like if you went back to 1718 and ask or excuse me I'm, I don't do math I told y'all if you went back to 1818 18 and you ask them what 2018 was going to look like, do you think they would have even come close? If you went back 100 years ago, we got the Treaty of Versailles, the start of Veterans Day, all those different things, what would it look like? If you asked them, what are you fighting for that will take place 100 years from now? Now there's so many things they can do with DNA. You can select your baby's gender, Eye color, hair color, I kind of like the the idea that God has this child specially prepared for you, and he knows exactly what this he or she is supposed to be like. We talked about horses, we evolved into bicycles and probably then wagons and then. Cars and so on, and if any of you watch Star Trek, own it, raise your hand if you do. Brent, thank you. Brent's the only honest person in here right now. (laughs) Um, They have transporters where you stand and, and it goes, and you end up wherever you're supposed to be, and you don't have to sit in Atlanta traffic. That would be a wonderful thing, except I would be entirely scared to step into it. I've been to churches um, that are smaller and serve those churches, and I have gone into their back rooms and I've found curriculum stacks that are from 40 and 50 years ago. And, and I would say, it's time to order a new curriculum. They're like, no, no, no. That, that, we can study Genesis to Revelation right there. And I'm like, what about a new perspective? How about we look at it? Nope, we got it right there. But then when I paid for it myself and brought it in, they're like, oh, this is really good. I like this. And they stepped out and they took change. There's a friend of mine who, um, when she was learning to cook as a little girl, she was always told, you take the meat and you cut an inch off the side of it before you go to put it in the pan and cook it. And so she, when she became um, a young adult, had finished college, was about to get married, she's teaching her husband-to-be how to cook, how to do things in the kitchen. And he's like, whoa, 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 why are we cutting an inch of meat off of this? And she's like, I don't know, because that's how you're supposed to do it before you put it in the pan. And he's like, no, 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 I need a reason for why we do this. So she's well, let's ask mom. So they go to her mom, and her mom says, I don't know. Let's ask Grandma. So Grandma says, I don't know. Let me go back and look. Well, they went back and found Great Grandma's recipe card, and they happened to have some of her cookware, and they pulled it out, and the pan was about this big. Our pans today come in any range of sizes, and it was you cut the inch off the meat so that it fits in the pan. Change is a funny, funny thing. We don't like to, to face it. We don't like to deal with it. Um, one of my favorite Bible stories and narratives is, um, is found in the book of Ruth, how Ruth steps up, her, her husband has died, her brother-in-law has died, her father-in-law has died, and her mother-in-law is about to leave to go back to Israel. They live in Ruth's country, which is Moab. And, and Naomi's about to return home. There had been a famine there. There's no longer a famine there. And Ruth sees this as a family tie and a family bond. And and Naomi even tries to say, "No, no, no. I don't want to no. I don't want to be responsible for you. You stay here, be with your family." And Ruth says, "No, where you go, I go." And it became, "And your God will be my God." And they trusted in God. And God was faithful. And God not only brought provision for them in terms of food, but in terms of family and in terms of land and in terms of generations. And she is one of the women in the uh, lineage of Christ. Every time Christ would approach somebody who would become a disciple, he would say, follow me. And they had to leave what they had been doing. If you've ever felt that, if you've ever heard that, whether it was just to go talk to somebody across the room, you know that's not always an easy thing to do. It's hard to know what to say sometimes. It's hard to know what to do. But when we step up and we do that and we go, okay, okay, God, you are still God. You were God yesterday. You're God today. You're going to be God tomorrow. And I'm going to trust. I'm going I'm to go with this. You know, change in life occurs often when we step out in faith. I think about um, whenever I was asked to go to the Philippines, and I said, well, how long does it take to get there? And they said, well, it's 22 hours. And I said, okay, so that's there and back. And they said, no, that's one way. And and I know y'all have heard me say this before, but I said, Maria doesn't do that. And Bishop Rudy Wine says, Maria does do that. God's telling me Maria does that. And I looked at him and said, God hadn't told me that yet. But the next morning, God told me that. And so I got on the plane, and I made it 22 hours there and 22 hours back. And on the way back, we even had a couple hours of turbulence, which God was gracious enough to let me sleep through. <laughs> but I stepped out, and I'm a better person for having gone and having walked the streets where people who we would think had nothing and would not know happiness brought hope and happiness to me. We're talking a lot about missions this month. One of the things we've done is we've stepped out in faith as a church with Zoe. Um, we've talked recently a lot in missions about this, and, and we see kids who are empowered by hope. Kids who have lost everything. Everything. They've lost their parents. All of a sudden, they've got siblings to take care of. Their their land has been taken from them, land they have a right to. But through the goodness of God and the solidness of God and the Zoe ministry, they're finding a way to get their land back, to learn how to run a business, to raise their families to stand up and even be recognized by city officials as people worthy of respect and honor and treated as dignitaries. Y'all, it's amazing. If you don't know about Zoe, find somebody who's been. Who in here has been on Zoe? Raise your hands. Got a couple of them. It is phenomenal. You need to find out about it. It's shaping how we do ministry here, how we are reminding people, um, when they come to us for help and they say, I, "You know, I just need this," and we say, "Well, let's let's figure out why you need this, <laughs> and then let's help you get to a place where where you've got everything in place, where you've established yourself and you've earned this, and you've gone and you've worked for it." And we've been able to help four families get jobs and get on their feet and get housing and become folks who are not looking for that day today today. And that's important. To give that day-to-day peace, but it's also important to empower them. One of the things that um, that we often do is we see progress in our life, but we don't think about how what it takes to get there. Anne Lamott tells the story of a lady who had everything together. I mean, her papers never had a fold or a nick or a wrinkle or anything in them. She would not like my desk. Um, and she, um, she had everything to get. Never late, always early. And she was on her way to a business trip, and nothing, nothing went right. The dry cleaner didn't have her clothes ready the week before. So she had had to rethink what she was wearing, and there were some specific things she had to go to. She had to... Um, get to the airport, and on the way to the airport, she had, um, she had car trouble. So she got to the airport, and she's waiting, and she's missed her Flight, so she's on, waiting on another one, and she's on standby, and she's sitting there, and she is just disgusted with the way this day is going, and she's at wit's end. And the, the man next to her had studied at a monastery, and he said, tell me what's going on. So she told him her story. And he stopped and he says, I see. And he says, "Um, we were taught one of the things that the Dalai Lama teaches. And that is that when life is in chaos, it's often the birth pains of something bigger and more divine being born. Be patient. See what is about to happen. See what's coming. That's been a story that has been a lot to me. Over the years, there's also some verses that have stuck with me about how solid God is. He is rock solid. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth should change and the mountains slip into the heart of the ocean. I heard that on 9 11 from Vic Pence at, at, at one of the Presbyterian churches in Atlanta as he talked on the radio. My mom always looked at me with this one whenever I would worry about something. She'd say, okay, Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store anything away in the barns, but God takes care of them. Aren't you worth more than them? Philippians 4, 6 and 7, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, Thanksgiving uh, the word Thanksgiving alone should put a smile on your face just cuz the thought of turkey With Thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ In one of my absolute favorites Exodus 14:14 14, 14, The Lord will fight for you you need only to be still We stand on the solid rock. There's a traditional hymn that we sing every Easter, Because He Lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. I know who holds the future. And life is worth the living because He lives. Doesn't matter what's going on around me. Doesn't even matter what's going on right here within me. He lives. And I can count on him. And you can too. Will you pray with me? God, you are so good. Every single moment of our life. Like in the song, Reckless Love, it is an overwhelming never ending reckless love that you offer to us and it does chase us down and it does fight till we're found and it does remind us that you will leave the 99 to come after us when we stray we can't go so far that we are away from your love and thank you for that we don't deserve it Lord we don't deserve it at all but with joy and hope and thanksgiving through the work we do in mission, through the time we spend in scripture, through the the ways that we open our hearts to you in worship and the way that we are transformed by you each and every day we stand before you eager to know what's next. Thank you for being solid. Thank you for being our rock and our refuge. Amen.